Hello, listeners, and welcome to Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate is a bi-weekly podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends, the monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and everything in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. Welcome back, listeners. It's good to be back with you in this, the most spooky of months. We want our gods to be benevolent. To be better than us. All-powerful. But still take pity on us, the less powerful. And grant us boons, and love us even though we are weak. I think this speaks kindly of the nature of humanity. In our ideal, the best of us use their power to care for the weak. But, even in our devotion, we know that not everyone with power is perfect. And for all our powerful, almighty gods, there are just as many gods with less savory reputations. Powerful, but not revered. Two sides of the same coin. In Mesoamerica, two of these gods are twins, and their relationship is complicated. The first twin you've definitely heard of. Quetzalcoatl is the sometimes feathered serpent, sometimes human man, god who the Aztec people related to the gods of the wind, to the dawn, merchants, arts, crafts, and knowledge. He was also the patron god of the Aztec priesthood, and was associated with the planet Venus as a morning star, an important planet in determining when the rainy season is about to begin. In short, Quetzalcoatl is the man, and was thus worshipped with all due reverence and admiration. The second twin, however, is a god you probably haven't heard much about. Quetzalcoatl's brother is Shalot, and in the Aztec religion he was associated with lightning, fire, and death. He is the god of twins, monsters, misfortune, sickness, and deformities. He is often depicted as a monstrous, eyeless, Xolo Itzquintle, or Mexican hairless dog. Now, maybe one of those aspects sounds like it doesn't quite fit. To understand a little about why twins fall into the purview of a god associated with a lot of other things with negative connotations, you have to understand a little bit about Mesoamerican culture. All across Mesoamerica, In each culture, there exists myths involving specifically twins. For the Maya, a good example was the twin ballplayers we've talked a little about before, the hero twins in Popol Vuh who could hide themselves in their own reed pipes. For the Aztec, it was Quetzalcoatl and Shalat. Twins were utilized in iconography and mythology to represent connected opposites. Twins, by their nature of existing as independent beings who are also forever connected as a pair, 
became the perfect metaphor for contrasting duality, which was one of the basic structural principles for Mesoamerican religious thought. Much of the Maya's traditional beliefs have been lost due to intentional malignant destruction. So unfortunately, I don't have much context for this. But somewhere along the way, the birth of twins became associated with misfortune and danger. Some scholars suggest that this was a practical belief, because of the increased difficulty of giving birth to, and then providing food for, two babies at once. Twins became associated with the negative and the unnatural. In some Aztec traditional beliefs, the recommendation was that one twin be put to death at birth. One author, Edward Siller, in his book Mexican and Central American Antiquities, Calendar Systems, and History, which is not at all a mouthful, suggests that Shalot became a god of dubious reputation because he represents the murdered twin of the pair, and thus it was inevitable that he was associated with the underworld, Mictlan. By contrast, it was only natural that the precious twin, Quetzalcoatl, became associated with positive things, because he dwells in the light of the sun. But Shalot, for all his associations, is not an evil god. He is monstrous, but he's a monstrous dog. He is the god of misfortune and sickness and deformities. But not because he inflicts them, but because he is afflicted with them. His human form is also depicted as monstrous, with backward-facing feet. The god actually has several important things he oversees, though, and his connection with the underworld is crucial to the continuation of life. Plus, as the god of monsters, he is directly responsible for the creation of axolotls, so really, you win some, you lose some. Let's start with Shalot's creation of axolotls, because it's one of the easiest things about him to explain. In the legend of Teotihuacan, the world had been created and destroyed four times, and this was the final chance for the gods to get things right. They created the fifth sun, but after its creation, the sun didn't move. Desperate, the god of the wind, Ehekat, began ritually sacrificing the other gods to induce the sun to move. All of the gods consented but Shalot, who withdrew from the sacrifice, and wept so much that his eyes fell out of their sockets. To hide, he transformed into three things a young maize plant with two stalks, an agave plant, and a salamander. He does eventually get found, but because he took these forms, the three things get their names from him. Shalot, Meshalot, and Axolotl. Their relationship to Shalot is also why axolotls are sometimes referred to as water dogs because the front half of their name is related to the Aztec word for water, alt, 
and the back half of their name is shallot, or dog. And, if you're anything like me, you're probably wondering next about that good dog connection. When it comes to gods, nothing is an accident. And so, of course, the fact that shallot means dog, and is portrayed as a monstrous sholo eats kintle, was not just a very cool aesthetic choice. In Mesoamerican folklore, dogs played many important roles. In Maya tradition, dogs first brought fire to mankind. They would protect the home from both intruders and evil spirits, and guided souls on their way to the afterlife, a common role for dogs throughout the world. In particular, Mesoamerican dogs were charged with carrying the recently deceased across a body of water in the afterlife. Shalot also acted as a guide through the underworld, but instead of a person, the god was tasked with guiding the sun through the afterlife to its own rebirth each night, complementing his brother Quetzalcoatl's job of guiding the sun through its rebirth and journey across the sky each day. Of course, Shalot would also guide the occasional person too, particularly if that person was associated with one of his aspects, or if they were a particularly good ball player. And no, that's not a fetch joke. As a final aspect, Shalot was also the patron god of the Mesoamerican ball game. The ball game, played with a rubber ball and a hoop, was a sacred game that some scholars think symbolized the perilous journey of the sun through the afterlife each night. Shalot was chosen to be the patron of the ball game because Shalot's symbol, Olin, reminded early Mexicans of the motion of the rubber ball, Oli, and thus there was a connection to the game on an immediate level. Less immediately, though, Olin also symbolized rhythmic, full-circle repetition, such as the bouncing up and down of a rubber ball and the beat of a heart, a cycle of motion that necessitates an end so that a new beginning can start. Shalot, in his essence, represented the necessity of ends, such as sickness, misfortune, and death, so that arts, knowledge, and the dawn can begin again the next day. He's not the god that the people deserve, but he is the one that they need. I hope you enjoyed learning a little bit about Shalot, the Mesoamerican dog god, on our unofficial October journey through forgotten gods. If you enjoyed this episode, maybe transform into a salamander so you have an easier time swimming through the show notes. Intro and outro music, as well as musical score, were done by the god of beats, Scott Ethington. Find more music to play ball to at Bazooka Raccoon on SoundCloud.com. Finally, if you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, or consider donating to our Patreon. Every little bit helps, and more support means I'm more motivated to do the best job I can to bring you more monsters. Thank you for listening. And remember, anyone can be a monster.